0: Alrighty ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Industry Leaders Spotlight. It is of course myself, Tavis Killian, and if you're watching the video, you may notice it doesn't exactly look like I'm in the Rare Petra office. No, we're doing this show from the road, but we're trying to get the content delivered to you that you deserve. Today, we've got a great speaker, very excited, but before we get into that, you can watch this interview on YouTube. Definitely a little bit more personal, and we add a lot to the production by editing after the fact. Otherwise, for those of you listening, that's also an option as well. You can find us on all of those platforms, but enough of that. Very excited to introduce today's guest, Mr. Kerry Stockdale. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tavis. Good to be here. Glad to have you. Kerry is an award-winning global talent and change leadership consultant with prior experience in the energy, technology, and manufacturing industries is a sought after speaker with over 30 years of leadership and talent acquisition and executive coaching. He's currently the CEO of Stockdale Stringer Leadership Solutions, whose clientele can be described as progressive thought leaders who wish to increase the capabilities of their leadership teams. Now, he's got a lot of great resources. I'll be sure to put them on screen here and in the description below so you can engage with him after you listen to this episode. But. We've got an interview to get into, and we start it this way with everybody. What can you tell us about the genesis, the beginning? How did you, I mean, did you always know you wanted to be a coach in the leadership space, or did it start a little different?
1: Well, it started very naturally, um, which is obviously a, a good thing. It's something I enjoyed doing and, and, and came to it um, because I got great feedback of you should continue to do coaching Uh, along. My uh, main focus was in human resources when I started my career. And from there I was doing recruiting and then I branched out into being a generalist in HR. And at that point I was counseling with department heads and uh, senior people in how to develop their staff stronger, better, faster. And love doing that and uh, have continued to do that for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a natural thing for me. I'm very comfortable doing it. Uh, and I enjoy working
0: with people and helping them become more effective leaders. And then, of course, we have to ask, as this is the Rare Petro podcast, how did you start working in the energy side of things and getting that expertise?
1: that was a great step in my career i had worked for a couple of fortune 50 companies pepsico being one selenese being another and uh, i had a an old colleague that i had worked with that wanted me to get into oil and gas since i lived i moved to houston to work in manufacturing so he suggested i interview with his company which we're doing consulting, global consulting in mostly HR types of work, but leadership consulting for a uh, company called Kerr-McGee, which was a large uh, oil and gas company with assets around the world. Uh, So my first day on the job, I was in Aberdeen, Scotland. That's cool. That's a good place to be. (laughs) It was uh, an amazing five years in in Aberdeen, and I just loved it. When I started out, uh, WTI was at $25 a barrel. When I left there, it was $147 a barrel. So that asset went from being worth a billion dollars, the North Sea assets for Kermu-Gee were a billion dollars, and uh, when I left, they were worth $3 billion. When they sold, they sold the business at that point, I came back. Otherwise, I'd probably still be there. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun working with the executive team. It was a multicultural team, which added some dimension to, to my uh, skill set of working with people from all over the world on, on leadership teams and developing
0: their teams to, to be more effective. And then that increase in WTI price, that was all a result of your expertise, right? Of course, of (laughs) course, yes. Very well said. I like you. Oh, thanks, thanks. I got the gift (laughs) of gab. But we don't believe that anyone's truly born a leader, so maybe there's not a certain point that you can pinpoint, but where in your career do you think you went from, you know, lower level, entry level, to starting to call the shots, being someone who trains really important high-level leaders?
1: Yeah, very good question. When I was Tommy trainee back in Virginia, which is my home state, I was working for an international company, and it was my first job, and I'm watching these supervisors not get along, not work with each other, and I'm going like, heck, I can do as good a job as they are. (laughs) Uh, And so I started focusing my career on mostly on observing leaders, And the good ones and the not so good ones and what to learn from both of them. But as with a lot of technical people, uh, part of your audience, we get promoted because we're there. It's the timings, right? It's not necessarily, Oh, this person's going to be a great supervisor or a great manager. It's we have an opportunity for a manager who's the best person to throw into the slot. So you get pushed into that or get, invited in or promoted uh, promoted into, the, uh, into a leadership position. And there's no real, I mean, there's lots of books out there, but there's no real manual of how to go from an individual contributor to now a leader of others. And, and I found that interesting, challenging, and I made l- plenty of mistakes and I had plenty of victories. And that's how I learned, and it kept on progressing. I never really found myself asking for the next move or being that kind of ambition. I had ambition to have broader skill sets. As I mentioned, I started in recruiting, went to be a generalist, then got into labor relations, then got into the opportunity to start up a company, uh, from a manufacturing company from scratch in a town that I didn't live in. And then uh, i was able to turn around another facility later on so all these composite experiences really built a great foundation for me to coach in different situations whether it be scaling
0: up a business or scaling down a business as oil and gas is known to do and then we've got lots of entrepreneurs in the audience who are certainly curious about those experiences but focusing specifically on stockdale stringer leadership solutions what made you venture into that business and what specifically does that business do? So those listening have a better idea.
1: Well, again, it's a natural. My, when I was with Swift Energy for 10 years, uh, I was uh, an employee. I was an internal consultant, in theory, a trusted advisor to the leadership team and to the CEO of the company. And that was my, My role there. Um, So it was very natural with the collapse of oil prices in 2015. They didn't need recruiters or they didn't need people to work on culture. The company was interested in survival. So I had an opportunity to make a move at that point in 2015, and I started my own firm at that point, and it just took off from there. Not necessarily working in oil and gas because of all the problems that they were experiencing but going back to some of the um, uh, industries that i worked in before manufacturing being uh, another love which is very
0: similar to oil and gas on the upstream side and then for those of you listening i'll be sure to include all of the resources to see more of what he's speaking about and how to connect with Stockdale Stringer Leadership Solutions in that description below. But now we've got some people out there who have witnessed in the last year, yeah, 2020 was a little bit different and it presented a lot of unique change management issues to navigate. Oh, wow. You need an interim CEO. You need maybe a new CEO. How do you identify what traits and skills are necessary for a leadership position like that? Because it truly really varies from entry-level positions.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question and dilemma and some companies have done well with that the acquisition of occidental to buying anadarko was a a huge challenge for them and being second guessed for for many a time Uh, but the the leadership that you need you're really defining what type of leadership you do need for each one of these companies because one company may have a lot of debt and how do you get out of debt? So th- the, you need to have a CEO that's got a financial acumen to, and the contacts and the banking relationships to help them get out of that situation. Another one may be we've got 10,000 employees and we need 5,000 employees. How do we handle that with respect and dignity in the, or- in the, in the communities that we serve? Um, and do it the right way. And so there, different skill sets are required for different opportunities. If you're scaling up the business like the, it's going on right now, Wells Fargo is saying economists are saying that uh, it's going to be $100 barrel oil uh, in the second quarter of next year. Well, if you're set up to be a $60 barrel oil company, you're going to
0: have to prepare for that. And do increased commodity prices like that present unique challenges? I mean, what's the difference between a company dealing with lean $60 prices versus over $100 prices? Well,
1: oh, it's dramatic. I mean you're tr- the, the oil and gas industry is t- trying to take advantage of opportunities. So when you do that, you're going you don't have the production people to uh, produce the product or you don't have the assets. And so that's why um, Occidental buys Anadarko who bought Kerr McGee, who bought Oryx, you know, 20 years ago. So uh, these strategies, these companies are developing and that's another key leadership quality that's required at the very highest level is is just, not only the ability to develop the appropriate strategies, but to execute to those strategies. But you only have a short period of time. Who knows how long $100 barrel oil, barrel oil is going to last? So, if, so you have to plan for those contingencies and develop strategies and action plans to solve those issues in a uh, world that's volatile a world that's uncertain and has lots of ambiguity to it so those are the kinds of things that the ceo is up to and that floats on down to the rest of the organization
0: and then speaking <clears> because you've face-
1: got to be you've got to be staffing you've got to develop uh, the talent to go out there and deliver and take advantage of that opportunity and if it and if you can if you don't you know, it's a war for talent right now. People are looking for talent. And a lot of re- talent retired in 2015, just went home. A lot of talent have retired through the years. Which has a, creates a lot of opportunity for younger talent. Early career people, mid-career people are going to be, like I s- said earlier about my career, thrust into a higher level position that they're really not trained for.
0: But if they're sharp and prepared, uh, they can make the best of it. And then looking at it from a slightly different perspective, rather than what do you look for when hiring someone in a leadership position? What about when they are the leader? What can or more definitively should they do to make sure they're demonstrating both strong leadership skills and behavior? And how do you preserve that culture as you grow and accumulate a bigger team?
1: Uh. You mean leadership developments? Yeah, of the, yeah. Of the, Okay, well, it's not only the CEO. The most important team in an organization, in my opinion, is the leadership team. Everybody has their eyes on those top people and how they get along and how they work together, and collaborate and those kinds of things. So the CEO is really the orchestra leader for, for them. He sets, he or she sets the tone for the culture and direction strategy by working with the board of directors. Uh, but that leadership team is, is really critical. So you have to have a leader who can develop trust with their um, direct reports. Um, and I, I consider emotional intelligence. I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with that phrase, but that is a common trait. I mentioned traits that were specific to the situation, such as strategy or scaling up and having a sense of urgency. And those are specific traits needed for this time and place. But there are other traits that are, that are constant and they go across all industries. And I think emotional intelligence is certainly one. Uh, being resourceful. Having a lot of, of uh, contacts in the community that uh, for right now, supply chain is a huge issue. So if you have a supply chain issue and you have not treated your vendors very well when things went south or, went, or got slower and you didn't treat your vendors very well, who are they going to support when it's things start ramping back up? Well, you're not going to be very high on the list if you haven't developed those types of relationships. So you need to be resourceful. You need to have adaptability because things are going to change. A pandemic's going to show up, and now what do you do when you're trying to grow your business in a pandemic? And then the last commonality that I that I found that I like a lot is adaptability. That I'm sorry, not adaptability, agility. Uh, that they're agile, they're able to move quickly, not ponder over decisions, uh, but make decisions and get moving and have a sense of urgency. So those are common characteristics of leadership that I like to see in in candidates.
0: And then for people who are maybe looking to improve those uh, three things you mentioned, or even more, there's so many traits out there to work on to become a strong, competent leader. What kind of literature books might you recommend that people can start practicing and growing those skills?
1: Well, for uh, there are
0: a lot of books
1: out there. I have some authors that I like a lot, so I'll mention both the books and the author. Uh, There's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, is an outstanding book on building trust and building the foundational pieces of a team. Uh, So I I like that a lot. He's with a group called The Table Group, uh, very well recognized. He has another book called The Advantage, which shows you if I were to walk into uh, a company, I would take that book under my arm and use it as a guidepost of how to develop, uh, develop that company to be better very excellent book on organization development and culture development and leadership development Uh, so those are two books by patrick Blanzioni. the third one we talked about emotional intelligence and that that would be an excellent one for any level in the organization whether it be the ceo whether it be a first-time supervisor or someone who wants to be a supervisor what skills do I need? Because you can develop those skills. Like you said, leaders may not be born, but they're developed. <clears throat> and they can certainly be developed by uh, improving and increasing their emotional intelligence. Uh, so that's three books there. The last one I would say, uh, recommend is anything by a guy named Professor David Ulrich, U-L-R-I-C-H. Uh, David is heads up the RBL group and anything he writes is just fantastic it's it's HR but with a bottom line oriented and it has everything to do with leadership and the most contemporary thinking on leadership especially during the t- last two years of what kind of leaders are going to be successful for the future and that was one of the things when i was reading your website that you guys have focused on the future. What is the future gonna look like? Not what today is gonna look like, but where are we going and how do we help create that direction that we're going in? And I think that's where the CEO leadership comes in and the executive team working
0: together and coming up with the right answers. Mm Well, we appreciate those props, but it's only fair that we throw it back to you. Do you have any books or services at Stockdale Stringer Leadership Solutions that people can pursue? I mean, we do encourage a healthy bit of self-promo on this program. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um,
1: I, I think by those resources that I just mentioned, I think that would give the best start to that. What I do is I, my, my firm provides ex- retained executive search uh, capabilities I'll hire senior level people at the vice president level and above uh, for mid-sized to large corporations I also do executive coaching and love to do that at every level I did uh, had a very successful uh, experience with a recent college grad not even a petroleum engineer but a a college grad in business on the East Coast that his father worked with me and we did a a project together and he was looking for his next opportunity and we helped him get there. Uh, Very successful coaching uh, opportunity. And then third is training and development. I do a lot of training uh, at, at the leadership level, working with
0: various programs that I'm certified in. Alrighty. And again, for those of you listening or watching, those resources will all be linked in the description. But I think we're drawing up to the end of this interview. So before we close out, of course, a majority of our audience is people who are in earlier stages of their career. What words of wisdom do you have for younger people in the industry that are looking to get ahead or maybe one day occupy those leadership positions? This is
1: my favorite
0: part of the
1: discussion. <laughs> because what I, a lot of what I do is mentoring. Uh, and there's mentoring and there's coaching. Coaching I've defined as, coaching is for skills. If I wanna be the best fracking engineer in the world, I go find the next best fracking engineer and learn from them. That's coaching. Mentoring is where you're talking about a career. And that person is a guide for you. And it's okay to have multiple mentors. You don't have to have just one. And through a career, when I look back at my career, every stop I had, I had someone who I could talk to. And I've remained friends with them through the years. So I've got a dozen people that I stay in contact with that I respect and and have gained knowledge from them. And hopefully I have given them something back too. But that's... Um, the mentoring process and the coaching process. And I'm seeing more and more companies. For example, Chevron has just introduced a uh, mentoring program. I mentioned my nephew was a Mines IT guy who uh, just graduated in May and just started in August at, at Chevron. And he's already put together, he's already been selected to be in the mentoring program in IT with someone there. Um, Another friend of mine has just gone to work in a senior financial position in Beaverton, Oregon for Nike. He hadn't even started, and they've set him up with a brand new mentoring program for
0: senior executives. So even senior guys have mentors and coaches. Oh, yeah, always something to be learned from the people around us. But before we do draw this to a close, is there anything else you'd like to say? any organization you'd like to promote, whether that's your own or another, or even just last advice. Well, thank you for the opportunity.
1: I just, you know, as leaders, we are responsible for helping people get better and helping them exceed even what they think they can do. And that is such a rewarding opportunity for these young engineers or early career uh, professionals that that is that is part of their responsibility is to give back to people in the community and take the opportunity to join associations and take leadership roles in those associations will help their development uh, and they'll be more valuable to themselves and to their company. So I'll just leave you with uh, with with those Maybe words of wisdom <laughs> that uh, that be sure to give back. Just don't take. Give back to the to the people that are working for you and uh, taking care of you.
0: Be sure you're taking care of them too. And then there was plenty of great information in this podcast. Those of you listening, you might have to double back or send it to a friend, discuss that later. But that is the end of this episode. Again, all of the resources for Stockdale Stringer Leadership Solutions will be included and we'll provide plenty of information for you to learn and grow because, hey, that's what we're looking to do in this podcast. So thanks again for coming on the show, Mr. Stockdale. And until we see the rest of you, take care, everybody. Thank you, Tavis.